0: be a prophet but people they play games with the Holy Spirit and I think we need to be very careful about that number five what are some of the gifts of the spirit that a person might receive answer 1 Corinthians 12 verse 8 through 10 you find this list there for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith now notice not everybody gets the wisdom knowledge and faith it's different gifts to different people To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. And prophecy there doesn't always mean you're going around making predictions. It meant to also be teaching the word. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, we'll be talking more about tongues tonight because that's a big issue in the Christian church today. You read in Revelation chapter... Oh, I think it's chapter uh, 2, chapter 1, I think it's in chapter 3, it talks about the seven spirits of God. Have you ever wondered what are the seven, is the Holy Spirit seven persons? The seven spirits of God are seven attributes of God. You find that in Isaiah 11 verse 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And if you start out with the spirit of the Lord being one, you add them up, that adds up to seven. These are seven facets or attributes of the spirit of God, but it's one spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit can be speaking to everybody here at the same time, just like God can. Number six, which spiritual gift, the ones we just listed, became a subject of controversy in the Corinthian church and it is a subject of controversy in the church today? It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Pursue and desire spiritual gifts. Nothing wrong with wanting the gifts of the Spirit, that you might teach and edify and bless others. Pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, God's not saying everybody here needs to pray. They can be John the Baptist or Elijah or Moses and call fire down from heaven. Again, the word prophecy here, classically in this uh, sense here in the New Testament, talking about that you might teach. The word A prophet is someone who speaks in behalf of another. And it means that the Lord might use you to be his medium to teach others the word, okay? He said, of all the gifts, pray that you might be able to prophesy. For he that speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. This gift of tongues had become a real problem for the church in Paul's day. And it especially was a problem in Corinth. Paul never talks about tongues to the Ephesians or the Colossians or to Titus or to Timothy, or to the Romans. He only mentions it to uh, the Church of Corinth in his first letter. He says nothing in his second letter. Now, this is important because some churches have actually taken this list of gifts and they've turned it upside down. Let me just pause here. I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 real quick. Got your Bibles, and we're going to look at these lists, lists of the Spirit that it has here. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. One gets the word of wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues. Tongues is at the bottom of the list. Tongues is at the bottom of the list in all the lists. But some churches have turned the list upside down. And they say one of the most important evidences of the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. Did you hear me? Say it again in case you missed it. I believe, and our church believes in all the gifts of the Spirit, including the gift of tongues. But this gift has been misunderstood by a lot of people. And um, it's just amazing to me that some people say, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And what they mean by that is, do you speak in tongues? I remember one day I was um, hitchhiking, baby Christian, still living in the cave. I'd accepted Christ. He'd made amazing changes in my life because, I mean, I was using drugs and drinking and stealing, doing all these terrible things. And and God came into my heart and He gave me victory. And um, one of the big things was He gave me the victory over cursing and uh, smoking and all these things. And so I'm hitchhiking. And this dignified-looking older woman... Stopped and picked me up. I was surprised she even picked me up because I looked pretty scruffy. I was a, a hippie Jesus freak back then, long hair and a beard, and, and I accepted Jesus. And uh, she drove me along. She said, well, I can take you to where my turn off is. We talked a little bit, and she asked if I was a Christian. She seemed interested in spiritual things. I said, yes. She said, well, you look hungry. I'll, I'll take you home, and I'll give you a sandwich or something to eat. And so it wasn't far from the freeway. She took me to her house, and while we were eating, she was talking to me about my faith and trying to witness to me. And uh, she said have you received the Holy Spirit? No one had ever asked me that. And I said, well, I believe I have because it's God's Spirit that brought me to Jesus and I've made all these changes and he's been convicting me when I go the wrong way and he's given me power to do the right thing. I said, yeah. She said, no, I don't mean that. She means, do you speak in tongues? And I said, well, no. She said, oh, then you haven't received the Holy Spirit. And she was insisting that my victory over sin was not what was really important. What was really important is that I could speak in tongues. Now, does everyone here know what we're talking about when we talk about speaking in tongues? Have you all seen, either by experience, or you've looked on TV and you've flipped through the channels, and you see that during a church service somewhere, people get these ecstatic utterances, and they start to stammer and mumble or speak in some intelligible terms. You know what I'm talking about? They call it speaking in tongues. And I, I want to just be very clear. There's a lot of spirit-filled, loving Christian people in these churches, though I disagree with their interpretation. When I first came to Christ, those are the churches that I worshipped in. And uh, a lot of lovely people. They had a lot of good things. But the way they interpreted the gift of tongues, I found extremely unbiblical. And yet, let's give you a little fact here. There are approximately 800 million Protestants in the world today, Protestant Christians. Uh, The remaining 1.4 billion are Catholic Christians. According to the Pew Research Center, Pentecostals and charismatic Christians who believe in speaking in tongues, over 305 million worldwide, or 40% of the Christian Church. That's a big segment. They believe that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues and their understanding of speaking in tongues is that you are overcome with the Spirit and you begin to speak these ecstatic tongues and languages that are given as a divine gift where you don't even know what you're saying and someone else has to come along that has the gift of interpretation and he explains what you're saying. And as I observed this firsthand, I said, this just isn't right. I'd um, I'd be in church you know, and... Uh, Well, let me give you a little more from the scriptures before I tell you about why I came to that conclusion. Because um, I know some of you right now are probably getting a little tense knowing where I'm going with this. I believe in all the gifts, but you want to go by what the Bible says. Amen. Let's find out what the scriptures say. How did Jesus promise to help his disciples preach the gospel to all the world? The Lord says in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 17, they will speak with new tongues. Now what is a tongue? A tongue in the Bible means language. If you're Spanish, how do you say the word language? Lengua, right? It's that's the same word. It means a language. It's not necessarily going to be some spiritual language or some angelic language, it just means language. What happened when the disciples received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Alright, so Jesus told the disciples, we just read in Mark 16. It's the only time Jesus mentions it. In Mark 16, Jesus said, you will speak with other tongues. It's one of the signs. And the reason is that the Lord has got 12 apostles that he's trained. They're mostly Galilean. They are mostly uneducated men. They're fishermen and they're shepherds and they're tax collectors. And he says, I want you to now take the gospel to all the world. Begin in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, they don't speak the languages of the uttermost parts of the earth. The Lord says, no problem. I'm going to give you the supernatural ability to speak in those languages so that you can communicate the gospel to them. You don't have time to go to uh, a school for, you know, six months or two years so you can learn these exotic languages. I'm going to supernaturally accelerate that and give you a gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in those languages. When the day of Pentecost was come, you read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, It says, devout Jews had gathered from every nation under heaven. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there are three examples. How many did I say? Three examples of speaking in tongues in the Bible. There's only three examples. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. We're going to look at all three examples and find out what was this gift, how was it used. A lot of people have misunderstood this, and they're kind of building a doctrine where there isn't one. So what you've got going on here at Pentecost is just marvelous. Jewish holiday, Pentecost, like Pentagon, means five, it was 50 days after the Passover. Devout Jews, that was one of the feasts where they would come from all over the Roman Empire. They'd come to Jerusalem in person. Some would come for the Passover, they'd stay for an additional 50 days, took so long to get there they'd stay. It was like a lifelong pilgrimage. Now, these Jews from all over the Roman Empire do not all necessarily speak Hebrew. They definitely speak the languages from their native countries. My mother was Jewish, but she didn't speak Hebrew. She spoke New York, English. And uh, she was born in New York City. And uh, so, you know, there's Jews that I've met in Spain, and they speak Spanish. And there's Jews I've met in, uh, you know, France, and they speak French. You see what I'm saying? So these Jews all over the Roman Empire spoke the languages of these native countries. The Lord supernaturally gave Peter, James, John. There was 120 in the upper room at Pentecost. It says a sound of a mighty wind, tongues of fire. The tongue is a symbol of like the tongue of fire, the power of God, the spirit, which can give them the ability to preach in power with the word of God, enhance their tongues with this supernatural ability to speak in languages they had not formally known or studied. For the purpose of, of spreading the gospel. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. I will give you the Holy Spirit that you might be my witnesses. That was the reason. And all of a sudden, all these listening Jews heard them and they were preaching. You know, Peter preached Acts chapter 2 as his sermon. Some of the others were either translating the sermon or preaching the same sermon. And these visiting Jews, it mentions 16 different language groups in Acts chapter 2. These visiting Jews heard them preaching the sermons... uh, in their own native tongue. And they thought, how is it that these men who are Galileans suddenly are able to speak the languages of Arabia and Cappadocia and Italy and all these different... And they said, what does this mean? Some of the locals who didn't know what they were saying when they're hearing all these foreign languages said, oh, they must be drunk with new wine. They were being sarcastic because new wine doesn't get you drunk. <laughs> and, um, but this was, it tells us what they heard. It says, we hear them speaking of the wonderful works of God. What did these foreign Jews experience when the Holy Spirit was poured out? It says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Could they understand what they were saying? Could they understand? Absolutely. And yet, how often have we seen in some of these churches where people go into their crescendo of worship and everybody's babbling I remember once kneeling in a charismatic church, the lady next to me was going, Yamaha, Handekosaki-zuzuki. I thought, she's just reciting Japanese motorcycles. That's really kind of what I was hearing. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it was just it was a repetitive gibberish. I had a friend who he went to one of these churches with me and I introduced him to it, and then he went once without me. He said, Doug, they're trying to get me to receive the Holy Spirit. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, they told me to come to the altar and kneel. And they said, they were praying that I'd receive the gift of tongues. And he was very sincere. He said, I I wanted it. And they said, well, say hallelujah. He said, hallelujah. They said, say it again. He said it again. They said, no, keep saying it. He said, hallelujah, hallelujah. They said, no, you've got to go faster. Hallelujah, hallelujah, faster. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah." They said, you got it. (laughs) When he finally couldn't say it anymore without stumbling over his words, they said, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. I said, no, it's not. But and they said, well, we're helping prime the pump. And they try to use scriptures to say that's how you get the gift of tongues. I don't find that in the Bible. I've got another friend. He was, his parents were missionaries in uh, India when he was born. And so he spoke Tamil. If any of my Tamil friends are there. I say I always learned a few words in the different languages when I travel. If you go to Micronesia, so take Mount Kurucia. Or if you go to Russia, Dobre Vecher Drusia. Buenas noches, amigos. I mean, I could say it in several different languages. I learned to say hello. <laughs> and so he, he's there in this charismatic church and he was very kind of suspicious and sarcastic. And they went into their worship service and different people were speaking in tongues and the pastor or the elder was going from person to person. He would then translate. And he'd say, thus say the Lord. And he'd give the message that they were, they were babbling. No one understood. He said, I'll translate. And he'd give the message. My friend started speaking in Tamil, repeating this phrase over and over again. I don't know exactly how it sounded. And I said that soon the pastor came over and said, don't say the Lord. He started translating this, you know, spiritual message. And my friend said, that's not what I'm saying. He said, I'm saying, please pass the salt. Please pass the salt. Please pass the salt. And they were manufacturing some trends. I said, oh, no, but we had the spiritual meaning of what you were really saying. And so there's a lot of really strange things going on in the name of the Lord being called the Holy Spirit. Case in point. I don't want to be the dead horse, but, you know, a lot of televangelists got in trouble a few years ago and they were charismatics. They spoke in tongues in their services and you find out that they were speaking in tongues in front of everybody and it later was revealed in the papers they were having illicit affairs at the same time or stealing money while they were babbling in tongues. And I always thought it was odd when they go to foreign countries. Why did they take an army of translators with them if they've really got the gift of tongues? The gift of tongues is being able to speak in another language, an earthly language, for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Is this making sense? Let's find out what the Bible says. All right, we've looked at the first example, Acts chapter 2. Second example, Acts chapter 10. What happened when Peter preached to Cornelius in his household? Now, Cornelius was a Roman centurion. What language do Romans speak? Italian, right? Latin? And he had servants in his household. The Romans had servants from all over the the empire, and which was many different languages. Peter comes and he preaches in his household, and it says, while he was preaching, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now notice, they're speaking with tongues, but it says, that what are they doing with those tongues? They're magnifying God. How do they know they're magnifying God? Some people in the group spoke those languages. They understood what they were saying. How did these people suddenly get the ability to speak our language? We hear them magnifying God in languages they did not formally know or study. It is a supernatural gift to speak in languages for the purpose of spreading the gospel and glorifying God. See how that works? All right, let's go to the third example. You find in uh, Acts chapter 19. Paul is traveling through Asia. He comes to Ephesus. What happened when Paul preached to the 12 Ephesian disciples? The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Are they speaking with tongues? What are they doing with those tongues? They're prophesying. That means they know what they're saying. John will never forget this. I think Angie was with us that day and our son Daniel. Some people came to a seminar like this. It must be 30 years ago. Uh, more. <laughs> it was more. And um, while we we're at the seminar, a couple, I think John met a couple, and he invited him to the seminar and said, we'll come if you come to our church. We said, fair enough. So Sunday morning we went to their church, and you could hear their church long before you got there. It was a storefront, and the windows were just shaking. And we kind of sheepishly walked in, and uh, the man who invited us said, oh, you're ministers, you're supposed to sit on the platform. They brought us up front, sat us on the platform, Angie sat with our son in the audience, And they were all speaking in tongues and they were playing the drums and they were playing the electric guitars and people were literally dancing and kicking up their heels and shouting and it was, uh, they would probably say it was a holy hootenanny, but I wondered. It was really pretty wild. And then they began to prophesy and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying and they began to prophesy against us. We just came as guests. We're sitting up front. They say, and if you've got the Holy Spirit, you'll be speaking in tongues. And just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you have the Holy Spirit. We're sitting there just thumbing through our Bibles trying to, you know, don't know what to do. And finally, it became very clear. They were testifying to us that we had to speak in tongues. And I don't remember if it was John or one of us jumped up and said, the Bible does not say that the fruit of the Spirit is tongues. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the pastor said, okay, let's have a debate. So John and I got into a Bible study with their whole church on the study of tongues in front of the church. And they got real quiet, I'll tell you right now, that time. Matter of fact, I had to tug on John's coattail a couple of times because he was getting all worked up. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of people confused about that. But they just really started thinking, well, maybe there isn't scripture for this. Because the way a lot of churches teach it is the fruit of the Spirit is tongues. It doesn't say that. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You don't tell um, by the gifts of the Spirit if a person has the Holy Spirit. But yet a lot of these churches say, you're going to prove you got the Spirit by speaking in tongues. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. That doesn't prove you got the Holy Spirit. You prove you have the Holy Spirit by the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus said you'll know them by by their fruits. That's coming up again a little later. What does the Bible say about speaking in a tongue that is not understood? Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, Unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you are speaking into the air. Again, Paul says, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I might teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. A tongue where people do not understand. Well, you know, I think we need a break right now. Maybe we'll do some music. You all feel like singing? I can play a little song. I want you to sing along with me, okay? willing to do that you'll recognize it right away what are you waiting for go you don't want to join me but if I was to go do you know what that is I didn't play very much but you know what it is You know why? There's a distinction in the sound. I can play more than that, by the way, with a flute. (laughs) Now let me give you a verse. There's a verse that says what I was just demonstrating here in the Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Even things, this is verse 7. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, they used trumpets back then like our cavalry to, you know, sound the charge or retreat or whatever, who will prepare for battle? Can you imagine? If you gave the trumpeter a trumpet in an important battle, and he played like I just played. And he's supposed to be directing the troops with the distinct sounds that he's making and the signals. Paul, if he says anything to the church in Corinth, he said, if you're not speaking in words that people understand, don't speak. And yet they take these verses, they go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul says in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels. And they say, see that? Paul spoke with the tongue of angels. He didn't say that. He said, though, The word though means even if. And if you keep reading that verse in context, he says later in the same chapter, says, and though I have all knowledge, and though I have all faith. Did Paul have all knowledge? Did Paul have all faith? He says, and though I give all that I've got, though I give my body to be burned. Paul didn't give his body to be burned. He was beheaded. And he's saying, even if, even if, even if I have all these things and I don't speak in tongues and I don't have love, it's nothing. I am just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal is what he's saying. He never said he spoke with the tongue of angels. And some people take the verse here where it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, chapter 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And they say, oh, there you got it, Pastor Doug. We, we don't speak in tongues in our church, but we pray in tongues at home. Paul isn't saying that you're supposed to start muttering in a language where you don't even know what you're saying. First of all, if you're praying in a tongue and you don't know what you're saying, how do you know if you ever get it answered? The whole purpose of speech is to communicate intelligent thought. And what good is praying if you don't know what you're saying? What Paul is saying, he says, if I pray in a tongue, and the word there, you can say unknown tongue. That means unknown to the people present. Paul says, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Because he was more widely traveled. He spoke many languages. He spoke Greek, he spoke Latin, he spoke Hebrew. He says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. I could be praying in my spirit, but my understanding is unfruitful, meaning unfruitful to the listeners. It's understood in the Greek, unfruitful to you. So if right now I should say, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Motilecha Men Aoritz. It's a Jewish prayer. I know what I prayed. I might have prayed in the spirit, but what I understand is unfruitful to you. That's all Paul is saying. People were getting up in the Corinthian church and they were testifying and praying and preaching in languages that people couldn't understand. He said, you've got to have a translator. They don't know what you're saying. Keep quiet. Or if you're going to do it, do it with a translator and maybe two translators because there's several language groups represented. Corinth was a melting pot of slaves from all over the Roman Empire. They spoke many different languages. The church services were confusing. And yet some churches have built a whole a doctrine out of something that was not even known. If you go back 150 years, the charismatic idea of everybody speaking in tongues and that being proof of the Holy Spirit, you didn't find it in the churches. They first began to appear in the south, they called them holy rollers. Any of you remember that term? Because they worked themselves up into a frenzy, they'd speak in tongues, they say this is the Holy Spirit. It's the gift that the apostles had. No, that's not what happened to the apostles. What was one of the main characteristics of ancient Babylon? You remember? Everybody used to speak one language, but because of their rebellion, their languages were confounded. Bible says, let us go down. God is speaking, let us. That's another evidence for the three gods, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us go down there, confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Therefore, it is called Babel. Babel is where you get the word baby because babies babble and it's what it means about babbling. And um, it was not a blessing because of the disobedience. The confusion of tongues was a curse. At Pentecost, God reversed the curse. Suddenly, they could understand each other's languages again because he poured out the Holy Spirit. He wanted them to communicate. Where does this come from? Many ancient religions. Uh, they, the priests and priestess would go off into a trance, often through music. They'd get worked up into a frenzy, and then they'd start to mutter and babble. And uh, this was very quickly, I, I lived on two different occasions on the Navajo reservation. Pastor of the Navajo church used to go to some of the services where they would combine Christianity with their ancient cultures and spiritism. And I saw women that were supposedly filled with the Holy Spirit and they were on the floor snapping their heads so fast that their hair was cracking like a whip. Totally wild eyed, eyes rolling back. And they said, oh, she's got the Holy Spirit. I said, that ain't the Holy Spirit. That was satanic. The Bible says, God said, let all things be done decently and in order. God is not the author of confusion. The Bible tells us the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And you wonder why so many thinking people turn away from Christianity, they see this chaos in Christian churches that they call the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gives you control. It doesn't rob your mind from you. In Delphi, they used to have a priestess. It was a sybil. And she would inhale these vapors, supposedly from a volcano or something. And then she would give these mutterings. She'd be go off and start gibberish and muttering. And the priest would then translate these ecstatic utterances. And people would go to try and get guidance from the gods. They also had it in Africa. I've done several meetings in Africa. Karen and I were in Uganda not long ago. And I've been to South Africa. And Pastor Ross was born in South Africa. And... Uh, some of these tribal religions, they'd go into a trance and they'd work themselves into a frenzy and they would be overcome by the spirits and they'd begin to mutter and babble and it was called the language of the gods. Found its way into Haiti and they called it voodoo. And then it found its way into some of the churches in the south. And then it began to go into some of the mainline churches and now it's also in the Catholic church and the Russian Orthodox church and the Greek Orthodox church. Baptists used to preach this straight, and now there's a lot of charismatic Baptists and Methodists. And this is not what the gift of tongues is, according to the Bible. Does the Spirit fill those who deliberately break God's commandments? What does the Bible say? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And again, John 14, 16 and 17. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Spirit of truth. Paul emphasized that we should desire which spiritual gift? He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. If I just start to preach to you now in Hebrew, it's not going to help most people here. Just edify myself. But he who prophesies, if I prophesy in a language you understand, which is, by the way, what I'm doing right now, it builds up, gives understanding to the church. He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. A lot of churches have turned that upside down. They say, all oh, the important thing is speak in tongues. Even so, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, let it be to the edification of the church that you seek to excel. What gift did he say edifies the church? Prophecy. What are we doing in this seminar? We're teaching Bible prophecy. Not just the prophecies, but we're prophesying and teaching the word of God. What's the main reason why God fills people with his spirit? We want to be filled with the spirit. Why? What does he do? Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses to me. And again, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Notice this. Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. The place is shaken and they speak with other languages. Why do they speak with other languages? There's several language groups present. Acts chapter 4, they're just by themselves. or filled with the Holy Spirit. The place is shaken. They speak the word of God. They don't speak with other languages because there's no other language groups present. The reason to have the gift of tongues is to communicate in other languages that you did not formally know. Is it possible to tell whether or not a person has been filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you know if a person's got the Holy Spirit? Who can shout the loudest? Beat the drum the fastest? Is that how you know a person's got the Holy Spirit? Dance in the middle of a service? The Bible says, therefore by your fruits you will know them. Now I want to make something very clear. I believe people can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and just overwhelmed with the love of God. I believe a person can feel the Holy Spirit at times. Sometimes you're you're praying and you're looking for comfort. You can just be overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I felt it. I have gotten so excited before reading the word when truth was revealed. I couldn't sit down. I had to get up and jump up and down. I wasn't in church at the time. That might have been a distraction to those around me. But I just couldn't keep it to myself. I wish more people would hear the Holy Spirit speak to them and say, Amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, when you're preaching. And just give you some encouragement. I'm glad for our Amen section over here. It's just my friends and family. (laughs) Let me tell you a quick story. So I'm driving from Texas 35, 40 years ago. I'm in the firewood selling business. I'm pulling a trailer very slowly from Texas to Northern California. It's like a two and a half day trip. I'm by myself, old truck. And I pick up hitchhikers, because I used to hitchhike. And I said, Lord, I'm bored. Didn't even have a radio in this old truck. I said, uh, can't even go the speed limit. It was so slow. And I said, it'd be great if I could find a hitchhiker, just someone to talk to. Not long after I prayed, I saw that there was a, a Latin gentleman standing on the side of the road, and he's just wearing a, a white dress shirt and jeans and tennis shoes. He's out in the middle of nowhere. I pulled over and picked him up, and he was very cold, and it was actually winter. And so uh, he got in, I, I turned up the heater, and, and I said, uh, are you cold? Do you want me to the heat up? And he looked at me and said, como? I said, uh, you heater? And I tried to talk to him. He did not speak a lick of English. I thought, Lord, you got a sense of humor. You know, I pray for someone to witness to, and you give me somebody, I can't talk to him. We rode along a little bit, and I was thinking, well, you know, I I took Spanish in school, but I didn't do very well in school. And, I mean, I knew how to say burrito and taco. Uno dos tres. It was pretty pretty primitive. And uh, But I knew that in Spanish, you just kind of put an A and an O. It's kind of funny right now. What I'm saying is being translated in Spanish, and I'm wondering what Carlos is doing with this. He just kind of put an A and an O at the end of things. And so I said... Uh, I'm driving my trucko up to my homo. <laughs> and I said, "You looking for worko or <laughs> I don't know?" And then I, I thought well, maybe he's hungry. I said, "You want some dinero?" Because <laughs> that's money. And he went, "Oh." And uh, you know, we weren't getting very far. And I prayed. And I mean, this is this, this trip took days. I said, "Lord, give me the ability to talk to this guy." I said, it's really awkward. I said, here, I'd like to witness to him. I didn't tell him about you, but I got a captive audience, but I can't speak the language. Lord, I need the gift of tongues. And it didn't happen right away. But as we were driving along, he'd try to say something to me, and I'd recognize what he said. And then I'd hear what he said, and I'd know what the word meant. I'd start using the word. And words I must have heard at some time, anything my Spanish teacher said that I thought i had failed came back to me. And the next thing I knew, I was talking to the guy. And people who saw me when I finally, he came to live with me for several months and got baptized. Amen. And people who saw me talking, they said, Doug, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. I said, I didn't until I met Omar. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, ¿quién aquí hablas <laughs> español? Yo no sé cómo predico en español, pero yo hablo poco palabras <laughs> si tú hablas despacio. Yo comprendo un 50 por poca. Some of you out there speaking Spanish so I don't know what he said. <laughs> but I was, I was able to speak enough for him to understand the gospel. And that to me, that was a very weak example of it, but that to me is what the gift of tongues is for. It's for sharing the good news that you might be able to spread the gospel. This is what happened in the Bible back in those days. Now in our last few moments, most important question How can I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that what you want, friends? The Bible says, Then you being evil, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Now, I'm going to give this to you fast. It's not in your lesson. You may want to write some of this down. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Ask. It says in Zechariah, If you want rain in the time of latter rains, ask of the Lord and he will give you rain. Ask him. Point two, be willing to submit and obey. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, even that he might abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. God promises the Holy Spirit to those that are willing to obey him. If you've got a dirty glass and you want to use it, which side of the glass do you clean first? Outside or inside? God wants you to clean the inside. Surrender yourself to him and he will fill you with that oil. Seek the Lord. You seek him. You seek him in his word. Acts chapter 10 verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, while they were listening to the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. In Acts chapter 2, they were praying together and the Holy Spirit was poured out. John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. As you hear the word of God, your heart becomes open to the Holy Spirit. So read the word of God. Come to places where the word is proclaimed. Humble ourselves. God fills empty vessels. We need to be willing to humble ourselves. 1 Kings 18, verse 39, now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This is when Elijah prayed and fire came down. When they humbled themselves, not only did the fire come down, the rain came down. God wants to give you the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. Point number five, assemble to worship him. Be in groups. And it's not just church on Sabbath. Come to Bible studies. Come to seminars. Come to prayer meeting. When we come together, the Holy Spirit was poured out. It tells us they were all in one accord in one place. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. If we will come together in his name and read his word and pray together, that's when you're going to see the baptism of the Holy Spirit come on God's people. Another important point, it tells us, forgive as Christ forgave you. Be willing to forgive one another. Acts 2, they were in one accord. They weren't just in one place. The Disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest and finally, they were able to put aside their differences. Point number seven. God is going to pour water on the ones that are thirsty. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you look for God with all of your heart, Jesus tells us, it's in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will search for me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God says, if you're really hungry, if you're really thirsting for the Holy Spirit, Isaiah 44, verse 3, I will pour water on On him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. It says he's filled the hungry with good things. You know, God will give us what we really crave. He says if you knock, it'll be opened. If you seek, you'll find. If you ask, you'll receive. But we've got to knock, friends. We've got to seek. We've got to ask. Amen? Do you realize the importance of receiving the real Holy Spirit? Would you like to have that gift in your life? I'd like to invite John to come up He's going to sing a a chorus that I believe some of you have heard before that talks about this important principle, how we can be filled with God's Spirit. And then I'd like to pray with you and you who are watching that you might receive this gift.